This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Boston Blackie is a fictional character created by author Jack Boyle. Blackie, a jewel thief and safecracker in Boyle stories, became a detective in adaptations for films, radio, and television. An enemy to those who make him an enemy, a friend to those who have no friend. Actor Chester Morris was the best-known Blackie, playing the character in 14 Columbia Pictures and in a 1944 NBC radio series. Boston Blackie is the role for which Morris is best remembered. Writer Jack Boyle grew up in Chicago, Illinois. And I always find this part of the story fascinating. While working as a newspaper reporter in San Francisco, he became an opium addict. He was drawn into crime, then jailed for writing bad checks. Later convicted of robbery, Boyle was serving a term in San Quentin when he created the character of Boston Blackie. Tonight, we'll hear the tale, The Stolen Car Ring. Your move, Harry. Okay, Bill. Let's see you get away from my king after this move. Think you got me, huh? Why not? This is why not. Why, I you... I saw, Harry. This is only a checker game. Not the way you play it. Well, you still got a chance, king or no king? Yeah, maybe. If you don't make any more dumb moves, you have. I could answer that, but there's no use partners being sore each other over a little game of... Just a minute... Bill Morton's garage. Oh, yeah? What kind? Okay, go buy it from the owner right away. What was that, Bill? Good news? Great. That car cracked up at Hanley Bridge just a little while ago. Oh, that's well. What make? 1942 Buick Convertible Coupe. 1942 Convertible Coupe, huh? Yeah, Buick. I'll send Tom out to steal one just like it. Now meet Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie, enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friend. Hello? Mary, this is Blackie. Yes, darling? Uh, thanks for the use of your car, Mary, but you don't have another one I can borrow while mine's in the garage, do you? What's wrong with my car, Uh, Nothing much. I parked it out in front of the courthouse a few minutes ago. When I went back to get it, it was stolen. Stolen? 
stolen unless it's part homing pigeon and left for its garage by itself. Oh, dear. Well, don't worry about it, Mary. It's insured, wasn't it? Oh, yes. I'm not worried about that part of it. I'll probably get it back anyway. But this certainly spoils my trip. Oh, no, it doesn't. My car will be fixed in a day or so. You can borrow that. Oh, thanks, Blackie. Could I? <laughs> it's the least I can do for you. Okay, now I feel better. Oh, oh, will you do me another favor, though? Sure. Remember the route you marked for me on that road map? Yes. Well, it was in my car, so I'll need another one. I'll pick one up today. Thanks, darling. Look, Mary, uh, I want to get the police on this right away. Better give me some identifying details about that car of yours. Oh, yeah, sure. What do you need to know? Oh, engine number and so forth. All I know now is that it's a 1942 Buick convertible. I'll say goodbye in a minute, Inspector. First, I want you to do something for me. What is this? Be kind to Boston Blanky Week? That's next week. Right now, this is do something for Mary Wesley hour. Mary Carr's been stolen. You come to me about a stolen car? Yes, I know stolen cars are out of your department, but I thought you could use your influence to get some fast action in finding it. You do have influence around here, don't you? I don't think so. At least not enough to keep you out of my office. Well, that's because I have a certain amount of influence myself. Oh, come on, Faraday, be a sport. If you won't do this for me, do it for Mary. Oh, all right. As long as it's for her. What kind of a car is it? 1942 Buick Convertible. Engine number? Hmm, let me see. Uh, 2936741. Four, one. Uh huh. Anything else? Nothing of importance. The thieves can't get rid of. A pair of ladies' gloves, flashlight, the usual junk. But don't bother about those things. I won't. Oh, there's a slight dent and a rather long scratch on the right rear fender. Dent and scratch on rear fender. Right. Okay, Blanky. Uh, I'll do what I can. But I want you to understand something. I know what it is, Faraday. You aren't doing this for me or doing it for Mary. Well, I'm sure she appreciates it. <laughs> How's it coming, Tom? Okay, Mr. Morton. Pete and I are putting the motor from the wrecked car into the stolen car right now. Lower it easy, Pete. Okay, Tom. Okay. Hey, I know this car. Where'd you pick it up? In front of the courthouse a little while ago, Mr. Morton. Any trouble? Ah, uh, not a bit. Hold it, Pete. Okay. Engine's in place now. Now, a couple of minutes more. I have another job all done. Uh, thanks, Pete. You can go back upstairs now. I'll take it from here. Okay, Tom. You can call me if you need me. Yeah. I gotta laugh. Yeah, Mr. Morton? Why? Why? You know who this stolen car belongs to? Nah. To Mary Wesley. She parks it right here in my garage. Yeah? Well, I wouldn't know about that. I work down here in the basement most of the time. What are you griping about? This is where you do your best work. Got everything cleaned out of her car? Yeah. We'll get rid of everything. Don't worry. Good. Be sure you get rid of the motor out of Miss Wesley's car. We don't want that laying around. Don't worry, I said. Uh-oh. Somebody upstairs wants to get their car out, I guess. Pete must be busy. Hold the hammer, Tom. Okay. I'm through anyway. Yeah? Mr. Morton? Yeah, Pete? The lady up here wants to see you. Miss Wesley, she wants to talk to you. Oh. Tell her I'm not here. Okay. No, wait. I'll send Tom up to talk to her. Okay. 
Hey, Tom. Yeah, Mr. Morton? The Wesley dame is upstairs. You go talk to her, will you? Talk to her? What'll I say? Nothing. Just hear what she has to say. Okay. You got the motor from the wrecked car in, so this Wesley gal's car will run? It's all set to travel, Mr. Morton. Okay, go up and see what the Wesley dame wants. Yeah. If she wants me, I'm not here. Okay, boss. I'll remember. I'm smart that way. Hi, Pete. Where is this Miss Wesley? Over there by the gas pumps, Tom. Thanks. I'm Tom, the mechanic. You want something, Miss Wesley? Yes, I do. What she wants is a car. I can talk for myself, Blackie. Thank you. Tom, do you have a car I can rent? Mine's been stolen. Ah, that's too bad, miss, but we don't have a thing. Well, it was a nice try, Mary. Maybe my garage will let us have one. No, Blackie, we'll just wait till yours is ready. Sorry I can't help you, miss. Uh, Is that all you wanted? Yes, thanks. I hope you get your car back, miss. Thanks, so do I. Come on, Blackie. Let's hop in a cab and go down to my garage. Say, Pete. Yeah, Tom? Did you get that new grease gun from Barney's? No, not yet. You better run over there and get it right away. I'm going to need it. Okay, but who'll watch things up here? I'm through downstairs. I'll take over. Right. Be back in half an hour. Okay. I'm going downstairs to see the boss in a minute. You still down here, Mr. Morton? Sure. What did the Wesley name want, Tom? Oh, to rent a car. <laughs> Isn't that a hot one? With her own car right down here. Yeah. But let her try to claim this is hers now, with that new motor in it. Yeah, let her try. Here's your dough, Tom. Twenty-five bucks. Uh, look, Mr. Morton, I've been wanting to talk to you. Huh? This job's getting to be worth more than twenty-five bucks a car. Who thinks so? I do. I don't. I think I ought to get a hundred dollars a job from now on. Or maybe I might do some talking someplace. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'll start by taking a hundred for this one. It's not too much. You and your partner, Harry, make almost a thousand clear on every... Pete? Upstairs? I sent Pete to Barney's for a grease gun. Oh, uh... Don't get me off the hundred bucks. I want it. It's as simple as that, see? No, it isn't, Tom. It's as simple as this. Here's one for luck, John. Harry, this is Bill Morton. I got another car ready for you. The one you picked up today? Yeah, the engine from the wrecked car is in it. In good shape, too. We ought to get 900 to 1,000 for this one. Good. I'll send for it right away. Swell. And by the way, Harry, we'll need a new mechanic. New mechanic? Why? What's the matter with Tom? Tom? Oh, he don't work here anymore. there been any trace of my car at all, Blackie? Not a sign of it, Mary. If Faraday would have called me. <laughs> now relax and enjoy this country road. Oh, dear. I do hate to take your car when I go away. 
What'll you do for one? Well, whoever stole your car has been pretty successful in keeping it hidden for a whole day. Maybe I'll steal one, too. Oh, Blackie. <laughs> Don't worry, Mary. Blackie, look! At what? That car that just passed us, that's my car. It's a Buick convertible, all right. Sure it's yours? Yes, yes, yes. Look, the, the plates are different, but there's a dent and a scratch on the right rear fender. You're right, Mary, there is. Well, what do we do? Catch that guy and make him pull over. Oh, careful, Blackie. He may not want to play. This is going to happen so fast, he won't have time to play. Oh, watch it. Pull over there, you. Pull over. Blackie! Blackie, look out! Look out, nothing. I'm cutting him off. Oh, He's stopping now, brother. You stay here, Mary. That driver may get tough about this. Blackie! Night. Blackie! He's running away! This ought to stop him. Oh, Blackie, don't! You kill him! I was just firing into the air, but it didn't stop him anyway. Oh, let him go, darling. All I want is my car, and I... I have that now. Well, let's take a look at it to make sure. All right. Hey! It's my car, all right. Look, same upholstery inside and everything. It's amazing. We don't usually have this much luck. Well, it's all yours again, so hop in, drive back to town. What do you know? I, uh, I, I think I'd rather not, though. Why? Well, I don't know. But the man we caught driving it might still be around. Yeah, that's a good thought. Well, if it leaves your mind, I suggest you take my car and I'll drive yours. I get it, Blackie. <clears throat> Auto suggestion. <laughs> Yo. You speaking to me, officer? Yeah. Where'd you get the... Well, if it isn't Boston Blackie. And if it isn't Officer Smith. Don't tell me I went through a red light back there. Nope. Well, if I did, I'll stop on a green one to make up for it. You're sitting in a bad car to make jokes, Blackie. Oh, the car's all right. It's only my jokes that are bad. There's nothing wrong with the car, Blackie. It's just what it was used for last night. Huh? What? 1942 Buick convertible with these license plates was seen out in the country at 9 o'clock last night. And the driver dumped a dead body out of it. Now, back to Boston Blackie. A 1942 Buick convertible is wrecked, and Mary Wesley's car, also a 1942 Buick convertible, is stolen. The thieves buy the wrecked car, lift out its engine, and put it in Mary's car, thereby removing from Mary's car one of its surest means of identification, the engine number. Tom, the mechanic who switches the engines from the wrecked to the stolen cars, threatens to go to the police if he's not given more money. So Bill Morton, his boss, shoots and kills him. The next day, Blackie spots Mary's car and forces it to the curb. The driver flees, but Blackie drives Mary's car back to town where a policeman informs him that a dead body had been dumped from that car the night previous. As we return to our story, Blackie has been taken to Inspector Faraday's office. So you killed a guy, huh, Blackie? And stole a car, huh? And drove out in the country, huh? And dumped a body, huh? And you thought you could get away with it. <laughs> you forgot the last half, Faraday. Huh? All right, huh? Now, look, you. You came in here yesterday and asked me to find a stolen car for you. Mary Wesley's car. That wasn't stolen, was it? You had it. I didn't have it, Faraday. Not until just now. I caught a guy driving it, forced him to the side of the road, and took the car away from him. A great story. Where's the driver you took the car away from? Well, he got away. Yeah, yeah. I was only interested in getting Mary's car back. Uh, I wasn't interested in chasing... Victor Faraday. 
Yeah, Rollins? I checked the motor numbers in that car Blackie was driving. And they were the engine numbers of Mary's car, right? No, Blackie. Wrong. They weren't. What? So, Blackie, you're driving a stolen car, huh? No, Faraday. So help me, that's Mary's car I'm driving. She identified it herself. Well, maybe she needs glasses. Or she's been around you so long. Uh, maybe she needs brains. Oh, no, the telephone. Faraday speaking. Inspector Faraday, this is Callahan of the stolen car department. Don't bother me. Look, Inspector, you asked us to find a 1942 Buick convertible stolen from Miss Mary Wesley. Well? We just got a call from Leonard Wells that somebody stole a car from him about an hour ago. And it was a 1942 Buick convertible. I know the answer to that one, Callahan. I've got the guy who lifted it. I'll handle this. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot. Mikey, what's the matter with you? The car you're driving belongs to a Leonard Wells, not a Mary Wesley. What? Faraday, there's something wrong here. I'll say there's something wrong here. I just said that. Look, give me a couple of hours and let me find out what this is all about. Nothing doing. Oh, come on, Inspector. Be a sport. No. Why not? Aren't you the athletic type? Yeah, I'm the type who can't stand jokes like that. But I'll give you two hours. And if you haven't cleared yourself in that time, you'll get two years. Yes? Are you Leonard Wells? Yes. Your car was uh, stolen today, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Gave me quite a scare, too. Somebody cut me off. I thought it was a stick-up, so I ran. I'd like to talk to you about that. May I come in? Sure. Thanks. That was your car, Mr. Wells? It was. Do you have proof it was yours? Well, I bought it. Where? Harry's used cars. When? Yesterday. You have a bill of sale? Sure. Where is the bill of sale? Right here. Mm -hmm. Engine license number matches the car I was driving, all right. Why should they? Good question, Mr. Wells. Now I'm going out and look for an answer to match. <laughs> Are you the owner of this car lot? Yeah, I'm Harry. Got the best used cars in town right here. I don't doubt it. Uh, can you give me a little information? Sure. Be glad to give you anything you want, mister. Did you sell a car to Leonard Wells today? Yeah, sure did. Fine car, too. One of the best I've had in a long time. A 1942 Buick convertible. He recommend me to you? Yes, in a way. Uh, where'd you get the car, Harry? I bought it, mister. A fellow by the name of Jack Brown. Banged it up at Hanley Bridge the night before last. I bought it from him. Jack Brown, huh? Thanks. I'll think nothing of it, mister. Think nothing of it. Yes, this is my car, all right, Blackie. The one I cracked up at Hanley Bridge night before last. Lucky my wife and I weren't killed. They sure did a good job of fixing it up. Are you sure this is your car, Mr. Brown? It's got to be, hasn't it? Same make, the engine, the license numbers match, the numbers in my bill of sale. What's it doing outside a police station? It was stolen. Stolen? You mean after I sold it to a fellow from Harry's used cars? I guess so. When did you sell it? About a half hour after I wrecked it. He offered me $50 for it, and I took it. Wish I hadn't sold that wreck now. I didn't know it'd be as easy to fix as this. I wish you hadn't sold it either, Bran. For whoever fixed this car of yours fixed me, too. Look, Blackie, you got ten minutes of your two hours to go. Now, why do you bother going to the morgue? 
Because, Faraday, I followed every other lead and got nowhere. Maybe seeing the body that was dumped out of the car you say I stole will do me some good. Why don't you give up? I wouldn't give you that much pleasure. Where's the body? On that table over there. Let's have a look at it. Okay. But you still have only ten minutes. No, no, nine minutes. Get out of that car stealing rap. I know, I know. Here. I'll pull the sheet back. There. Mm-hmm. How long has it been dead? Since about six o'clock last night. Now will you give up? Later, Faraday. I still have nine... Hey, I've seen this fellow before. Eh? Mary and I talked to him yesterday in Bill Morton's garage. So what? So this. Jack Brown said his car was a total wreck after he crashed into Hanley Bridge. Eh? But now his car's in fine shape. That means a lot of garage work was done on it, right? You mean the car we caught you driving was smashed up only night before last? Yes. And what I mean smashed... And the garage where it was repaired could have been Bill Morton's garage. And this fellow here could have been the mechanic who did the work on it. Could have been, could have been. What good is that? Faraday, I've got the whole thing. Somebody bought Jack Brown's wreck, stole Mary's car because they were both the same make and model, and switched the engine numbers. Sorry, Blackie. I thought of a possible switch in engine numbers, too. We have ways of telling if an engine number has been changed. These weren't. Oh. Hey, maybe the motor in Mary's car is the motor in the car that was wrecked. Say... That could be. The motors could have been transferred, and maybe it was this guy who made the switch. Well, maybe. But that doesn't tell us who killed him. His boss might have done it. Why? Even you should be able to figure that out. I can only find out where he was killed. I'll tell you one thing. Maybe he was a mechanic, but he wasn't killed in any garage. He had his street clothes on, and there wasn't a spot of grease on him anywhere. Not on his clothes, Faraday. But look at his hands. They're covered with grease. What does that prove? It proves he was killed while he was still at the garage. All auto mechanics wash their hands with special soap before leaving work. Hey, that's right, Blackie, they do. Somebody wanted to make it seem like he was killed outside and probably switched his overalls for an ordinary suit. Must have forgotten about the grease, though, huh? Well, the grease on this fellow's hands may keep a killer from slipping through our fingers. You, Bill Morton? Yeah? I'm Boston Blackie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm, uh, doing a little investigating into the death of a mechanic who used to work here. You mean, Tom? Tom's dead? Very. Oh, say, that's too bad. I wondered why he didn't come to work today. He couldn't very well. You know much about him? No, he was a good worker. One of the best repairmen I ever had. Worked downstairs in a shop. Oh, Tom worked downstairs, huh? Uh, Mind if I go down there and have a look around? Oh, come on. I'll take you down. Thanks. Watch your steps. They're kind of weak, some of them. Thank you. Kind of dark here when no one's working. Wait, I'll turn on a light. There. Say, some shop you have down here. We like it. We can do most anything to a car when we got a good mechanic like Tom was. Sure hate losing him. I saw Tom here yesterday. Where did you see him last? Down here. He went out that door there. That was the last I saw. Mm, too bad. Kind of messed up place down here. But this is a garage, you know. We don't often have visitors. Now, if we known you were coming. Forget it. Oh, say, here's a robe map somebody's thrown away. I need one of these. May I have it? I'll get you a brand new one upstairs. No, this is all right. In fact, this is a new one, too. Let's see if it has the right territory inside. Planning on taking a trip? A friend of mine is. Uh-huh. Hmm. 
It says what I want. Everything I want. Good. Uh, Mr. Morton. Yeah? Tom's body was dumped out of a car on a country road last night. Where were you then? Me? I was here all night. Tom's body was dumped out of a car about nine o'clock. You were here then, too? Yeah, I was here from about five o'clock in the afternoon until about five o'clock the next morning. One of my nightmen was off sick. Thanks, Mr. Morton. Thanks a lot. What are you doing pulling a gun on me? Accusing you of Tom's murder, that's all. You're crazy. I just told you I was here when Tom's body was dumped in the country. I can prove that. I know you were here, Mr. Morton, which means that somebody else dumped his body for you. But you killed him. What makes you think so? You told me so. I told you. Yes, when you admitted that you were here from five last night until five this morning. Because Tom was shot and killed in this garage at six o'clock last night. You remember to change his clothes after you shot him. But you forgot to wash his hands. Why, you... Too bad, Morton. If Tom's hands had been washed, maybe we'd never be able to guess that your hands weren't clean. Oh, what a lovely day for a drive in the country, Blackie. I'm surprised you wanted to go with me, Mary. Aren't you leaving on your trip tomorrow? I am. And it'll be such a relief to go in my own car. Oh, oh, by the way, you will get me a new road map like you did before, won't you? I certainly will not. Blackie. <laughs> I don't have to, Mary. I've already done it. Yeah. Oh, you. Thanks. When'd you get it? A few hours ago. Where? In Bill Morton's garage. Darling, do you mean that you had time to catch Bill Morton, get him to confess, and to name that Harry person as his accomplice, and still get me a map? Versatile fellow, huh? To say the least. Speedy, that's me. Well, let's see if you had time to mark the route for me like you did last time. No, no, I didn't. Well, you did so. It's marked. You know when I marked that map, Mary? When? Last week. Last week? Oh, Blackie, the marked road map was in my car when it was stolen. I know. And it was in an ash can in Bill Morton's garage when I went to see him. That's the map you lost, Mary. Then that's how you knew my car had been in Bill's garage and that he was involved in this. Yes, and isn't it a bit of an irony, Mary, that when I marked out the route for your trip, I also marked the route for Bill Morton's trip, the last one he'll ever take.
Stay tuned for The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to hear the tale of Boys' Night Out on The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. From Hollywood, International Silver Company, creators of International Sterling, presents The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, starring America's favorite young couple, Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. end of the Nelson household at 1847 Rogers Road. It's just a little past breakfast time. David and Ricky are outside somewhere, and Ozzie and Harriet are just finishing their coffee. More coffee, dear? No, thanks. You didn't finish your eggs, did you? No, I had plenty, thanks. How come you fried them this morning? Well, I don't know, dear. It's just that you've had boiled eggs every morning for so long, I thought I'd give you a little change and fry them. You didn't like them, did you? Well, I ate them, most of them. (laughs) Yes, but you didn't like them, I could tell. You didn't smile. Well, I never smile when I'm eating eggs. (laughs) That is, unless it's a wide egg sandwich. I'm sorry, I thought you might like them a little different for a change. Well, there's nothing wrong with them. It's, It's just you sort of get used to a certain breakfast. I just figure, why change something just for the sake of changing Suppose that's a masculine attitude Personally, I kind of like to do things differently once in a while Get a fresh outlook Maybe I'm just in a reckless mood today I've even been thinking of having my hair cut How do you think I'd look with one of the new short haircuts? Well, I... I wouldn't want you to get a crew cut (laughs) Don't be silly, dear You know I never get a crew cut in the winter It's much too cold I'm surprised you haven't noticed, though no, practically all the girls are wearing shorter hairdos lately. Women are sure hard to figure out. Men like women with long hair and short skirts, and look what happens. <laughs> reverse psychology, dear. Women do the opposite to get the things they want. Look at the attention women have had in the past two years. I suppose so. And you don't want me to get my hair cut? Well, I don't care. After all, it's your head... Funny thing, I noticed that when I was brushing my teeth this morning. You asked me for my opinion, I told you. I like your hair the way it is. You want to get it cut? For goodness sakes, go ahead. It's your head. Oh, I, I said that. You know, it's funny how men get set in their ways. Seems to be a masculine trait to resist any sort of a change. You're used to boiled eggs, fried won't do. You're used to seeing my hair long, so you don't want me to get it cut. Well, it isn't a question of men being set in their ways. At least I'm not. I, I just, I like my eggs boiled. I've liked them boiled for years. Just because I like the same things year after year doesn't mean I'm set in my ways. What does it mean? Oh, it means I'm in a rut. I'm, I, I, I just like certain things. fact of the matter is, I don't care how you fix my eggs, and I don't care how you wear your hair. Have it cut short, fry it, boil it, poach it. <laughs> Nothing to get excited about. I'm getting excited. You said I was set in my ways because I like boiled eggs, and it isn't true. To show you, tomorrow you can fix my eggs any way you want to. Fry them, scramble them, or poach them. It won't make a bit of difference because I won't eat them. (laughs) 
careful, Oz. Don't lean on the wet paint. Hmm? Oh, I painted your fence. I thought you just painted it last spring. It's Catherine's idea. It was green before to match the lawn. Now she wants it white. Expects to have a lot of snow this winter. <laughs> Women get some great ideas, don't they? Yeah, you never know what they're going to think of next. So changeable. One day it's one thing, the next day it's something else. And never satisfied to leave things as they are. Yeah, that's feminine nature, I suppose. Let me ask you one thing, Tharney. How do you like your eggs cooked? Sunny side up. Are we going to eat here in the yard? <laughs> I happen to be a guy who likes boiled eggs in the morning. All of a sudden, out of a clear sky, I get fried eggs this morning. Well, I hope you didn't take a thing like that sitting down. If I were you, I'd object plenty. Run an ad in the paper. I will not be responsible for any eggs fried by my wife. <laughs> not only eggs. It's a whole big silly thing. What would you say, Thorny, if your wife walked up right now and said she wanted to have her hair cut? Would you object? Well, I certainly would. I'd put my foot down. I tell her positively not. That's right, Thorny, because you like her hair the way it is, nice and long. Well, not necessarily long, Oz. I just wanted to have hair. She had it cut yesterday. <laughs> just because I like Harriet's hair the way it is and my eggs boiled, right away I'm set in my ways. You've known me for years, Thorny. Am I set in my ways? Am I a stick in the mud, a fuddy-duddy, narrow-minded? The answer is no. Oz, if you ask me a question, let me answer. <laughs> you feel that you're set in your ways, Thorny? Not necessarily. Of course not, but women don't see it that way. Just because a guy enjoys boiled eggs in the morning, they want to change them, switch to fried eggs. Does that make any sense? No. There you go answering it. <laughs> this is Wednesday. We go bowling tonight. We bowl every Wednesday night. Does that mean that we're... No. That we're set in our ways? No. <laughs> Beat you that time. <laughs> I'm on my way down to the drugstore to get some ice cream, vanilla and chocolate. I always get vanilla and chocolate simply because I like vanilla and chocolate. Doesn't mean I'm set in my ways. I'll walk you down, Oz. I think the new Esquire magazine is in. Oh, thanks. See, there you are. You always walk me down on Wednesday. It just happens that Esquire magazine usually comes in on a Wednesday. Doesn't mean that you're set in your ways. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to buy Esquire. You could buy the ladies' home journal if you wanted to. Well, sure, if I was a lady. <laughs> I mean, if you really wanted to, you could buy the ladies' home journal instead of Esquire. You could do it because you aren't set in your ways. But I like Esquire, huh? Yeah, but you could buy the ladies' home journal, though, Thorny. That's the point I'm trying to make. Oz, I don't think I'll walk you down to the drugstore today. <laughs> Why not? I have a feeling I'd come home with the ladies' home journal. <laughs> Mother, how's your cold? Oh, I'm nearly back to normal, dear. The doctor gave me a shot of a wonderful serum yesterday. Fixed me up overnight. Oh, that's fine. Of course, I still cough a little and sneeze a little, squeeze a little. I thought you were all fixed up. Well, the hives are gone. Hives? <laughs> the hives from the first shot. Oh, <laughs> you had two shots? Yes. One was for my cold, but my system had a negative reaction and I broke out in hives. So he gave me the second shot for the high. What did he do for your cold? Well, I'm running. I'm going over to see him in a few minutes. Of course, he's working under a handicap. He's sick of that of the cold himself. <laughs> How are Ozzy and the boys? Oh, fine, thanks. Oh, I almost forgot, Harry, and I listened to this. On 
the way downtown this morning, I saw the most beautiful beige rug in the Emporium window. Just perfect for your living room. I'm way ahead of you, Mother. You've seen it? Mm-hmm, yesterday. In fact, I'm having it delivered tonight while Ozzy's at the bowling alley. You're going to surprise him? Uh, in a way, yes. <laughs> you know how men resist any changes around the house. I figure if he walks in and there it is in familiar surroundings, he's much more apt to like it. Oh, just like your father. I remember I wanted new kitchen linoleum once. So I had the man put it down. Had it all waxed before your father came home. Did he like it? I think he would have if he hadn't broken his arm when he walked in. <laughs> but I think you're doing a smart thing, dear. I hope so. I figure it's worth trying anyway. Let me know how it works out. Okay, Mother. Goodbye. Oh, hello, Emmy Lou. Be sure and go down to the Bijou this week. They have a picture there that's simply terrific. Oh, really? Oh, it's so good. It's a return engagement of a re-release of a remake by special request of the manager. Uh, what's the name of it? Tyrone Power. <laughs> that's a good name for a picture. <laughs> oh, it's such a wonderful movie, Mr. Nelson. Somebody ought to make a book out of it. It's about a man, a man who's completely irresponsible. Oh, I just adore irresponsible men. <laughs> She was irresponsible, too. An irresponsible woman? <laughs> oh, what carefree lovers they were. They kissed on the street. They kissed on the bus. They kissed in crowded railroad stations. They wanted people to see them kissing. Even when the hero took the heroine home, he'd strike a match. Well, that's very interesting, Emmy, but I've got to go down to the drugstore. Oh, he was so romantic, so unpredictable. Toward the end of the picture, he held the girl in his arms, and everyone in the theater thought they'd get married. But they didn't. He didn't even kiss her. Maybe he ran out of matches. <laughs> you should have seen him. He wouldn't work. He was undependable. He was fickle. He had bad habits. He beat her. He was irresponsible. He didn't earn a living. He borrowed money from her. He told lies. He cheated. He gambled. to say that women really think that kind of a man is more attractive? Of course they do. What fun is a man who does exactly the same thing every day? What fun is it when you know exactly when your husband is coming home? Oh, say, that reminds me. I'm late now. It takes all the uh, joy out of life to have a dull, stodgy, conservative husband. Women like thrills, excitement. They like a man who's impetuous, gay, devil may care. Watch your language, Emmy <laughs> What do you mean when I was young, Emmy Lou? I'm not so dependable. I'm not set in my ways. Nobody knows what I'm going to do next. Let me show you something. Yeah, I like pull up my trouser legs. Ah, look at those garters. One green, one rubber band. <laughs> well, I don't want to keep you. Where'd you say you were going? Uh, down the drugstore and get the ice cream for dinner. Oh, yes, a pint of chocolate and a pint of vanilla. No. There's where you're wrong. I'm getting a quart of Tutti Frutti. <laughs> oh, Mr. Nelson, you're so unpredictable. 
possible that from now on there'll be a new Ozzy? A fascinating, unpredictable Ozzy who will always go for the new and different? Well, that I want to see. Yep, that I want to see. Almost as much as I want you people to see International Sterling's beautiful Joan of Arc pattern. Joan of Arc was discontinued during the war, but now it's back again. Back at your request. A sort of command performance. And what a stunning thing it is. Just look how beautifully the shell ornament is carved. See how graceful are the lines from tip to bowl. Every detail of Joan of Arc is finished to perfection, back as well as front. It's the solid silver you dreamed of. A perfect example of why, when it comes to a choice of sterling patterns, so many women select international sterling. If you haven't yet chosen your family silver, visit your international sterling dealer tomorrow. See Joan of Arc and find out about the easy payment terms. You'll never be so proud of your table as the day you set it with International Sterling's magnificent and widely acclaimed pattern, Joan of Arc. Something very mysterious has happened to that solid, dependable citizen, Ozzie Nelson. For eight years now, on Wednesday night, Ozzy would walk into Miller's Drugstore, go over to the soda fountain, and buy two pints of ice cream, one chocolate and one vanilla. But tonight, the routine has been broken. Ozzy's set pattern of living has come unstitched. Instead of two pints, one chocolate and one vanilla, he stepped up to the counter and said, Give me a quart of Tutti Frutti. <laughs> what frivolity! What irresponsibility! But if you think that was unpredictable, listen to what he did as he was leaving the store. Instead of walking to the door, looking over his left shoulder and saying, Goodbye, George, as he's done for the past eight years, Ozzy walked to the door, looked over his right shoulder and said, So long, Charlie. Mom, how come Pop hasn't come home yet? I don't know, David. He should have gotten back from the drugstore at 5.30. It's almost quarter six. Maybe he had an accident. Oh, Pop wouldn't have an accident on his bowling night. That's right. He only has accidents when spring cleaning comes around. <laughs> have you told Pop about the rug yet, Mom? No, and don't you either. I want to surprise him. A man's coming tonight to put the rug down while your father's bowling. So let's not say anything about it and spoil a surprise, huh? Okay, you better tell Ricky, though. He's such a blabber, Mom. Oh, Yeah. Hey, I think that's Pop now. I hear a car out front. Oh, no, it couldn't be, Daddy. He didn't take the car today. Me buy a new one. Hi there, everybody. Hello, dear. Hi, Hi, Pop. Pop. What was the car out in front? Thorny bring you home? No. You know how irresponsible I am, Harriet. On an impulse of the moment, I took a cab home. Clear from downtown? No, from the drugstore down at the corner. (laughs) You called a cab? Just to drive up the hill? Yeah, wasn't that a silly thing to do? I don't know why I do those things. I'm just so unpredictable. You better give me that ice cream. I predict it'll be dripping on the floor. Ice cream? Ice cream? Oh, yes, the package here. Here, take this, David. I'm so irresponsible lately. Hey, Pop, what kind of ice cream is this? Oh, it's uh, Tutti Frutti, David. What's Tutti Frutti? It's uh, ice cream with uh, little pieces of uh, fruity and, and uh, chunks of tutti all mixed <laughs> I thought Tutti Frutti would be nice for a change. Gee, I don't know if I'm going to like Tutti Frutti. Well, you'd better like it, Ricky. If you don't eat your Tutti Frutti ice cream, you won't get any dessert. No, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Harriet, if the boys don't eat their dessert, what don't they get? 
They don't get any carrots. Don't get your carrots. <laughs> put the ice cream in the refrigerator, will you, Dave? I think I'll sit down on the floor and read the paper. The floor? What's wrong with a chair? Oh, I always sit in a chair to read. I'll try the floor for a change. You want the back section of the paper, dear? Mozzie, that isn't the evening bugle. No, I didn't get the bugle. But you always get the evening bugle. Well, I didn't this time. I got the morning trombone. <laughs> I think it's called Tribune, dear. Tribune, trombone, what's the difference? Both musical instruments. <sighs> Let's see what's in the paper. Are you comfortable, dear? Of course I'm comfortable. Why shouldn't I be comfortable? Well, aren't you going to take off your overcoat? Why? Is there any law that says a man has to take off his overcoat? I just feel like wearing my overcoat. What happened? Did you forget to put on your pants? <laughs> I just feel like wearing my overcoat. Ozzie, what's the matter with you? Nothing, dear. Can I help it if I'm irresponsible, unpredictable? Who said you were? Well, I really am. Nobody knows what I'll do next. Well, I do. You'll wash your hands for dinner. It'll be ready in a few minutes. <laughs> uh, what time are we having dinner tonight? Same time we have it every night, six o'clock. Let's have it at nine instead. <laughs> well, if you think you can hold off until nine o'clock. No, not nine o'clock. Uh, nine minutes after six. <laughs> you want to start living on a precise schedule, doing the same things day in and day out? Let's be a little different. It's all right with me, dear. In fact, when I wash my hands, you know what I'm going to do? I can't imagine. I'm going to dry them on hers. <laughs> Not so loud, Ricky. Do you want to spoil the surprise? Well, Daddy always leaves to the bowling alley promptly at 8 o'clock, so I told the man to get here a little after 8. Harriet! In here! Uh, Harriet, have you seen my banjo anyplace? Banjo? <laughs> I didn't know you had one. Oh, yes. I thought I'd get it out and play a few tunes. You know, something a little different. Well, you don't have time. Have you forgotten tonight is your bowling night? Oh, my goodness, it's 8 o'clock. You'd better hurry, dear. I put your shoes and the bowling ball right by the front door. You don't even have to go upstairs. You don't understand, Harriet. I'm not going bowling tonight. But you have to. The man is... I mean, that is... What man? That man that lives next door. Yes, that's it. Thorny. You wouldn't want to disappoint Thorny, your old pal. Yeah, that would be a dirty trick, wouldn't it? Well, if you insist... Harriet, stop pushing me. I wasn't pushing you, dear. I was... Just patting you on the back because it's so good of you not to disappoint a friend. It's the first time I've ever been patted on the back with two hands and a knee. Looks <laughs> <laughs> like you're awful anxious to get me out of the house. Oh, don't be ridiculous. David, get your father's hat. Here it is, Mama. I got it right here. Here, Papa. I'll help you on with your coat. Uh, I don't think I'll wear a coat. I know it's cold out, but I'm so unpredictable. Well, you better carry it on your arm. Now, hurry, dear. You'd want to keep the other man waiting. Good night, Pop. Good night, dear. Whole family is getting unpredictable. What happened, Oz? You didn't stop by for me. Oh, I was just on my way over, Thorny. So we're a few minutes late. Who cares? You know, it's the funny thing. Harriet... Something the matter? That man over there. I think he's looking for an address or something. Yeah, pardon me, gentlemen. Could you tell me... Say, aren't you Thornberry? Well, yes, but well, I don't... Don't you remember me? Mulligan. I was the other end man at the Elks Mistress Show. Oh, of course. How are you? Glad to see you. 
This is Mr. Nelson. Oh, glad to know you. Glad. Well, I remember you, Mulligan. Didn't you do the ringmaster and, and the big circus number two? Yeah, that's right. Well, sure, you were the head of the show. Oh, <laughs> go away now. Toward nothing at all. See, what are you doing over in this neck of the wood? Well, I came over here to deliver a rug. Some woman had to have it put down tonight. Her husband's a bonehead that don't like to have things changed around. <laughs> What's the address on it? Uh, 1847 Rogers Road. Name's Nelson. Do you know them, Mr. Nelson? <laughs> well, yes, that's my house. Oh, they yours? Oh, <laughs> no offense at what I said, Mr. Nelson. I didn't know you were the bonehead. <laughs> no wonder Harriet was so anxious to get me out of the house. She pulled a fast one, huh? That's what she thinks, Thorny. But I just thought of a terrific gag we could pull. Mr. Mulligan, would you care to join us? Thanks, I'd be glad to. Better make mine a short one, though, during working hours. No, 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 no. <laughs> no I mean in, in the gag. Now, listen here. You've all heard the expression, snug as a bug in a rug. Well, you and Mulligan carry the rug. Put the lamp in the dining room, David. I want the floor in here as clear as possible. Well, I do this footstool, Mom. You better put that in the dining room, too. Gee, the dining room's starting to look like the living room. Or the attic. Come on, slowpoke. I'm not going to do all the work. Now, cut it out, you guys. I'll send you both to bed. Just a minute. Mrs. Nelson? Oh, yes. Good evening. Would you just bring the rug in here, please? Well, Thorny, what are you doing? Oh, I met Mulligan outside, and I just thought I'd give him a hand. You know, these rugs are pretty heavy. I'm sorry about making you deliver it tonight, Mr. Mulligan. Oh, that's all right. I wasn't doing anything in particular. Just eating dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Careful with that end, Mr. Thornberry. What makes the rug so lumpy? Oh, that. Well, you see, you take... When they put... What does make the rug so lumpy, Mr. Thornberry? Well, it is probably just the um, uh, underpad. They sometimes get bunched up when the rug is rolled. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. That happens all the time. Now, if you just step to one side, Mrs. Nelson, we'll unroll the rug for you. No, no, don't unroll it. Just stand it there in the corner. <laughs> stand it in the corner? But I don't remember which end is the head. I mean, the... <laughs> the if Ozzy doesn't like it, Mr. Mulligan will just have to come back tomorrow and roll it up again. Just throw it in the corner until I find out how Ozzy likes it. Believe me, Harriet, he's going to like it a lot better unrolled. <laughs> Oh, but Thorny, he's such an unpredictable person. He might not even want a new rug. Oh, let him unroll it, Mom. Please, Mom, we want to see it. Well, okay, unroll it. Hurry up, Mulligan, let's go. Uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute, I've got to make me speech. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the wonder of the age. You are about to witness the only time in history a man, old sober, mind you, has been rolled in his own living room. He, Surprise, everybody. Surprise, Ozzy! Water. Ozzy was rolled up in the rug. Oh, clear water. Oh, how clever. Surprise. Oh, Ozzy, how unpredictable. at me for buying the rug? No, dear. Go to sleep. How do you like it? Like what? The new rug. 
Well, it, it's a little tight through the shoulders. <laughs> kind of warm and scratchy, but it's a nice rug to be rolled up in. You like the color? Oh, black is all right. <laughs> Beige. Look black where I was. Tell me truthfully, dear. Do you like the rug? Yes, I, I really do. I've never been smothered by a nicer one. I was a little worried after the way you talked at breakfast. Men always seem to resist changes of any kind around the house. I guess that's the way nature works it out. Women are fundamentally insecure, so they want to change everything. Men like things comfortable, familiar. Sometimes I even make believe I don't notice new things. But I do. Oh, darling, I'm so glad you said that. I was afraid you hadn't noticed my hair. Your hair? <laughs> yes, I was afraid you might not like it cut short. What are you doing? Uh, just uh, going to turn the light on for a minute. I pulled out the plug. <laughs> now tell me, do you think I should get my hair cut? Harriet, don't be silly. <laughs> You think I didn't notice that you got your hair cut short? You like it, dear? Very much. Harriet. Yes, dear? Did you really get it cut? <laughs> no, I didn't, dear, but now that I know how much you like it, I'll have it cut first thing in the morning. <laughs> If you want to see a picture of real bewilderment, just take a look at Ozzie Nelson. <laughs> I bet he looks about the same way my husband did last night when I met him at the door in my best dinner dress. Well, didn't he know you were going to a party? We weren't. That's why he was so bewildered. He couldn't imagine why I'd get so dressed up when nobody was coming. But I think you'll understand, Mr. Smith, because yesterday was the day I received my set of International Sterling's wonderful Joan of Arc pattern. I couldn't treat that just like any old silverware. Oh, indeed you couldn't. Joan of Arc is the kind of silver pattern that deserves a celebration. It's one of the most enchanting designs International Sterling has ever created. Why, you should have seen the letters that came in during the war when Joan of Arc wasn't available. You'd think women just couldn't bear to entertain without Joan of Arc. I know. I wrote one of them. And weren't you surprised to find out how easy it was to buy? Amazed would be more like it. Why, chest and all, my service costs under $169. And I didn't have to pay for it all at once, either. My international sterling dealer and I worked out a wonderfully convenient payment plan. Yes, I hope anybody who thinks this beautiful Joan of Arc pattern is out of her reach will drop in at her international sterling dealers. She'll soon see how easy it is to own and how thrilling, too. Because this is the solid silver with beauty that lives forever. It's international sterling. I guess I'm just an old stick in the mud or a creature of habit or something. This is the kind of a breakfast I like. Oh, that's good, dear. No surprises or changes. My two medium boiled eggs. Not too hard, not too soft. Always the same. My coffee, exactly the same flavor and consistency. Are oh, you wonderful, dear? Even the toast never varies. Always the same. Will you pass me the toast, David, please? Thank you.
week to another adventure of Ozzie and Harriet, starring Ozzie Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. And remember, the solid silver with beauty that lives forever is International Sterling. Yes, Harriet, the solid silver with beauty that lives forever is International Sterling. Appearing in support of Ozzie and Harriet were John Brown, Tommy Bernard, Henry Blair, Janet Waldo, Lorene Tuttle, and Jack Kirkwood. Original music was composed and conducted by Billy May. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Challenge of the Yukon, followed by Fibra McGee and Molly. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.